from my standpoint, there is no doubt it's going to be of significant greater magnitude than the than the crisis we went through before. the The only lessons that have been learned out of this last financial crisis is that uh, there is no downside for doing this, and this is what was learned by the large banks. Uh, if if there are losses, the government is going to step in. They're going to they're going to pick them up. They will shore the banks up. Welcome to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. That was the voice of Richard Bone you were just listening to there. Richard will be forever known as the Citigroup whistleblower who became a national and international media sensation from the banking and business world for his major role in blowing the whistle on what has been described and reported as mortgage fraud at Citigroup that helped precipitate the subprime mortgage crisis, an alarming event that preceded the global financial crisis and the subsequent and sudden economic downturn in 2007. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. Richard Bone, who today is an academic in accounting at the University of Texas in Dallas, has seen firsthand how fraud and reckless lending can spiral out of control, shake confidence and inflict incredible damage on economies. A high-level executive at Citigroup, Bone was chief underwriter of the Consumer Lending Group at Citigroup, which handled $90 billion of residential mortgages annually. And while the globe ultimately ploughed through the last financial crisis, in Bowen's mind, there is an even more severe financial crisis ahead, as you just heard him describe a moment ago, and fraud has not gone away. Stay tuned. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. A voyage of discovery in an uncommon age of unparalleled scientific, economic, political and social upheaval, Life on Planet Earth searches for the unvarnished truth, answers, solutions, and above all, hope for our existential crisis. Well, it's always grand to be back. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne, coming to you from the Garden State of New Jersey in the USA. And my guest is Richard Bowen, the former Citigroup executive who blew the whistle on his old employer, Citigroup. He lectures today at the University of Texas in Dallas, and his insights are worth a close listen. Now, my interview by phone with Richard follows on the heels of my last podcast when I talked with best-selling author Jeffrey Robinson, whose runaway hit, The Laundryman, has much to say about financial crime. Thank you for your many comments and remarks on my interview with Jeffrey, and I plan to interview Jeffrey again soon. Now, before we get to my interview with Richard Bowen, I do need to stress that this is not a bash the bankers tirade from our podcast series. In fact, we firmly believe the vast majority of bankers in the U.S., and in most other places are honest, ethical, and hard-working. Yes, decent people. 
So we're talking about the corrupt bankers in the industry and a corrupt ideology and a hear no evil, see no evil foolishness and a dangerous corporate pride and even compliance and laws run amok that permits really bad stuff to occur. And maybe we can't excuse society at large for its role in what we have seen in the past with subprime and meltdowns and financial fraud. But that's for another serious. So costly, unethical and criminal behaviour is unacceptable in any industry. So I first asked Richard for his expectations for another financial crisis and how big it might be. John, thank you. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm uh, very excited about your uh, about your new podcast. I, I don't think there's any doubt that we're going into another uh, crisis situation. I can't predict what the what the instrument is going to be, although all signs at this point, from my reading, would indicate it would be uh, the corporate debt arena, um, and there are just many, many different signs that point in that direction. The uh, the increased indebtedness of the uh, of the corporate sector, the uh, substantial increase of the non-investment grade, as well as the uh, you know the lowest investment grade of triple B, which is making up that debt, and uh, and then obviously the exotic instruments that we used to think were largely related to uh, mortgages, you know, residential mortgages, now are piling on to, to the, the corporate debt structure, and it's it, it's very, very disturbing. I thought this was all behind us, that uh, after the last uh, economic fiasco, the regulators and politicians and the lawmakers had fixed everything. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting you say that. Um, there was a, a, a paper published by the, uh, uh, by the IMF that this paper analyzed the regulatory booms and busts going back over 300 years. And this, this is beyond the United States. This is worldwide. And the regulatory, it, it, it showed the tremendous correlation of government actions related to financial regulation and deregulation and how those very tightly correlate with even uh, participating and causing as well as predicting uh, the next cycle. Uh, the, the, basically, the paper said that the, uh, after you have a crisis, there, of course, is a, is a regulatory reaction. There's a tightening up. And uh, things are, the controls are put into place, the regulations are put into place. And the, um, the study, and again, this is uh, International Monetary Fund published this, this paper uh, that studied regulatory cycles of the, that the government had imposed going back 300 years uh, worldwide. And what it found was after a crisis, then the government reacted. Uh, there were very heavy regulations put in place, controls typically on the financial side. It, 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 this tightened up. And then as memory dimmed of the crisis, there was a beginning of a deregulation. In other words, deregulating the new regulations that have been put into place. And there was even found to be a, a period of significant accelerated deregulation. 
which inevitably brought on the next crisis. And that is exactly the cycle that we are in, as predicted by this IMF paper. We are uh, accelerating the deregulation, the gutting of the regulations that were actually put in place last time. And uh, it's very frightening. This paper would tell you with almost certainty that this this will predict that we are back into another crisis. And this goes this goes over 300 years. So obviously they're not getting into the specificity of you know mm-hmm. forecasting dates at this point. But uh, it, it's a very sobering paper I've written about. Have you any sense of the size of the next crisis? given the extent of corporate debt and non-investment and exotic products and so on, and the fact that our national debt is ballooning, uncontrollable. Well, I, from my standpoint, there is no doubt it's going to be of significant greater magnitude than the, than the crisis we went through before. The, the only lessons that have been learned out of this last financial crisis is that uh, there is no downside for doing this, and this is what was learned by the large banks. The uh, if if there are losses, the government is going to step in. They're going to they're going to pick them up. They will shore the banks up. However, if there are profits, uh, obviously those accrue to the benefit of the bankers. Yeah, there, there's no doubt that this is going to be, from my standpoint, obviously, uh, this is going to be of a much greater magnitude than we've had. We saw this even in comparing the, uh, the, the most recent 08 crisis with the previous uh, financial crisis and the banking and the SNL crisis of the 80s and early 90s. Uh, it was significantly uh, many times worse, and the next one will be many times worse than this. And what part of this next crisis would fraud play? Oh, I... I <laughs> From my standpoint, that is uh, uh, that's where the, the the deregulation has come into play. Um, quite frankly, and I'll give you a couple of instances in the '80s and the '90s banking and financial crisis, uh, banking and SNL crisis. Uh, the regulators aggressively identified those banks that had fraud. They shut them down. They uh, they actively prosecuted and sent bankers to jail. As a matter of fact, in that cycle, over 800 very senior banking executives went to prison. They went to the slammer. Uh, in this last financial crisis, um, our government did not aggressively identify those areas of concern of fraud. Um, Everything was allowed to run its course. As a result, the crisis was substantially worse than the earlier crisis, and with the end result that no very senior executives out of the banking industry have gone to jail. There, There have been basically no prosecutions. So again, that goes back to the concept of lessons learned. Richard Bone recently returned from a lecture tour of Ireland where he was very well received speaking on corporate ethics. So it was timely to ask him for a global and European perspective. But first, he had his take on the US economy, which is rocking on all cylinders with record low unemployment and the best economy in many years. But here's what Richard had to say. 
Well, I think this is this is where you're actually getting into the Federal Reserve, uh, where they're in essence uh, uh, through QE and the other uh, monetary policies. Um, they have they have sheltered um, the economy and basically funded the huge deficits that are that are going on. Um, you know this 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 cannot go on uh, worldwide if you take a look at the uh, the amount of money that has been created. And again, I don't pretend to be an economist. I don't play one on television. But um, uh, you know the, the the cycles are very evident in that regard. And um, uh, no one claims this can go on forever. I know there have there there's a lot of parallels with with regard to what went on in Ireland as well as the the other uh, EU countries and what happened in the United States. Um, the, the U.S. Have, has certainly been much more aggressive uh, with regard to the, the the Fed and the bailing out, if you will. Uh, even though the uh, obviously the EU is following the same suit, so I, I can't pretend to definitively compare the two economies. But nonetheless, I know from visiting with with everyone in Ireland, there's there's a lot of parallels, obviously, which which caused the you know the worldwide crisis as it was felt over there as well as ours. Now, where are we headed exactly with the global economy? Here's Richard Bowen's response. He cites deregulation of financial services as a grave cause of concern, specifically citing the regulation in the US known as the Dodd-Frank Consumer Protection Act, which was originally designed to protect consumers from another financial meltdown. Well, again, from my standpoint, there is no doubt that this is where we're heading. Um, and you can take a look at, at again the, uh, the the trend that's been established in the you know the lack of a learning curve in this last financial crisis and the hands off uh, that basically the government has taken. You know the deregulatory side, as we talked about before. Um, you know, most of the regulations that we had put in place to control the large banks, because Dodd-Frank was passed to control the large banks, it was well recognized that the large banks had uh, significantly contributed to the crisis. And so controls were put into place. Uh, the controls that specifically related to the large banks have largely been gutted. And the resulting is that Dodd-Frank is uh, still imposes a huge cost of compliance, but only the largest banks can afford it. So, if anything, that has that has caused the acceleration of the consolidation of the banking activities, such that the large banks are significantly larger today than they were even going into the last crisis. So, the the interdependency of the economy on the uh, the banks is even greater now than it was before. Now, as Richard Bone has repeatedly reminded us, he is not an economist, but a former high-level banking executive and now an academic. 
but still his analysis on the economy in the US and globally is worthy of examination. Richard has lived through booms and busts, so I pressed him further on the state of the US economy. Remember, the US unemployment rate ticked down to the lowest level in nearly 50 years in December, and wage gains remained near their best in a decade. And oh yes, the stock market is going gangbusters. What's not to like? Which then takes us to share buybacks. And Richard Bowen has said much of the stock market gains can be explained by companies buying back their own shares. Yes, we've heard that before, but this is worth a closer examination. Now, in a new paper titled Share Buybacks Enrich the Few by Thomas Power, a lecturer in finance and economics at the Technological University in Dublin, Ireland. Thomas Power says share buybacks by companies are huge. He has some really interesting numbers in the paper. Thomas Power says no company has bought back more shares than Apple of the eight trillion dollars in corporate earnings made between 2008 and 2017, 53% went on buybacks, 30% on dividends and 17% on capital investment. Here's Richard Bowen's take on this phenomena as the US economy extends its record-setting recovery. Obviously, we've been very sheltered. The Fed has taken a huge role in that, and even the you know the expanded uh, uh, supposedly the stock market that everybody is uh, celebrating uh, that has largely been caused by this by the bank buybacks. I, I mean, sorry, by the stock buybacks by the mm-hmm. companies themselves. You take a look at the net buying activity. I think since 1998, if I remember, the net buyback, cumulative net buyback of the stocks, uh, over 90% of the buying activity, that, and this is a couple of papers that have been published, have been the companies buying back their own stocks. It's not the mom and the pops and everyone else that's buying them back. And that has propped up significantly the uh, the stock market. So it's a kind of a uh, phantom rally. Oh, abs- I, I truly believe it is. And, um, you know, many economists uh, believe that also. There's a great deal. Is You know, stock buybacks used to be illegal in the early 80s because it was considered to be a manipulation of the market. It's the of large amounts of very cheap debt that has enabled a large part of all of this. And again, that is what has also con- contributed significantly to the, if you will, the corporate debt bubble. That is probably the next one to, to burst, although, again, I can't predict which one. Richard, let's talk about uh, your role as a whistleblower. You became famous for that and became a public and national figure, international figure. You were on 60 Minutes. Just can you just walk us through that, how you became a whistleblower and your life since then? Well, in a, in a nutshell... Um, I was given a huge promotion uh, at Citigroup, where I was uh, named business chief underwriter. This was as they consolidated all of their mortgage operations. And 
was my responsibility to make sure that all of these mortgages that we were purchasing from other banks and mortgage companies, and in turn selling uh, to mortgage securitizations and investors, met our policy. And I discovered, much to my chagrin, as I got my arms around my new responsibilities, that uh, a huge portion of these did not meet our credit policy. And uh, yet we were giving assurances to investors that we were selling these mortgages to that they did meet our policy. So I started issuing warnings. That, that was at least the beginning of the story. You just came back from Ireland. What did you tell the folks over there during your uh, lecture tour? Well, we were, we were talking about the experience of the U.S. and uh, a lot of the parallels. Um, I've done a lot, of, uh, a lot of research with regard to uh, creating ethical corporate cultures. And, uh, and we talked about ethics and the absolute need for ethics. My concern, quite frankly, for not only our country, but many of the countries, because you know, history tells us that the collapse of every great civilization began with the erosion of moral values. That's, that's ethics. And quite frankly, we are going down that, that, slope, that slippery slope very quickly, and it's very distressing. After the break, Richard will talk about where ethics begin at a company. Why are 20 veterans a day taking their own lives? In this new gripping, brutally honest memoir, Iraq War veteran Tom Voss reveals the answer and an unexpected solution to the veteran's suicide epidemic. Driven to the brink of suicide by the moral injury of war, Voss walked 2,700 miles across America in search of healing. What he found was something medication and talk therapy couldn't give him, relief from the guilt, shame, and sorrow that had been torturing him for years. A relief that came in the most unexpected form, meditation and sacred breathing techniques that shattered his understanding of war and himself. Dr. David Shulkin, Ninth Secretary of the VA, says where war ends will inspire countless others leaving them with a sense of purpose and hope. Brian Kinsella of Stop Soldier Suicide calls Where War Ends a captivating personal journey written with a compelling urgency. For veterans, their families, and anyone suffering from trauma, Where War Ends offers an antidote to the moral injury epidemic. Get your copy today on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, IndieBound, or ask for it at your favorite library or independent bookstore. Well, welcome back. Grant to have you. Now, Richard Bowen spends a good deal of his time these days after his distinguished career at the top in banking, lecturing on ethics in corporations uh, and, of course, in academia. And here's how he sees ethics. Well, as I, as I tell my audiences, ethics begins at the very top. And unless the top management... Um, truly respects the employees and truly wants the employees to give them feedback because the employees know what's going on. That is really the first sign of, of ethics. Uh, there are some studies that have been made and um, the Ethics and Compliance Institute has just done some wonderful work in identifying the, the common denominator. You can always tell if a corporate culture is ethical or not simply by asking the employees. And they ask the employees basically two questions. 
questions. One, did you uh, report misconduct? Um, and two, how satisfied were you that you reported the misconduct? And inevitably, the, uh, the percentages of employees that report misconduct for, um, uh, for ethical companies is much higher because the employees know that management wants them to. And the satisfaction rate is very high. But those that do not have an ethical culture, um, very few of the employees actually do the reporting. And those that do report experience retaliation. And there's a very, very low satisfaction rate. So simplistically, uh, there's, some, there's some very interesting metrics involved there that people don't normally think about. My website is richardmbowen.com. And all the contact details are on that to reach yes. out. Okay. Yes. Richard, it's a pleasure. Uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. Very good, John. Thank Let's you. stay in touch. You've been listening to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. To reach the host or learn about advertising or sponsorship opportunities, call 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. That's 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com.